We are in Daniel 6 again this morning. We were there last week, and if you haven't had a chance to follow last week's sermon, uh, you might want to just push pause on this one and go to last week's sermon and uh, talking about faith for the lion's den. And we covered that familiar story of Daniel in the lion's den. Today, I want us to go back over some of that material to learn what it was about Daniel's faith that allowed him or strengthened him to face the lion's den. And then from that, I want to talk to us about how we can develop faith for the lion's dens of our lives. As we mentioned last week, basically Daniel was a victim of office politics. Uh, He was such an outstanding person that the other political leaders were jealous of him and wanted to undermine him. And so they had the Darius, the, the king of the Medes, put this decree out that for 30 days you couldn't pray to anybody but him. And Daniel went on and prayed to his God and ends up in the lion's den. And we know that God delivered him from that. But what was it about Daniel's faith that gave him the courage to face the challenge of the lion's den. Because if we can learn that, we can learn how to develop faith for our situation. Uh, None of us yet have faced lions, literally, although in our church history, early first century, Christians were given to the lions, and God didn't deliver all of them from the lions as he did Daniel. Sometimes it doesn't work that way. How do we develop the faith to face the tests, the trials, the challenges of life. Whether they are brought on to us because of our faith or whether it's just living life. How do we develop that kind of faith to to maintain and to survive and even thrive in difficult times? Before we get into that, I want to make sure that we don't miss three overarching lessons from this story. And the first one is, don't be surprised when non-believers act like non-believers. You know, it'll be easier to say, don't be surprised when sinners act like sinners. You know, Don't be surprised when non-believers act like non-believers. Peter said, if you're going to live a Christian life in this world, Don't be surprised at the fiery trial as though something strange was happening to you. And and I think a lot of times we Christians are kind of naive. And and we just think, well, you know, if I'm nice to them, they'll be nice to me. And then we find out, oh, no, that's not necessarily the case. I'm being nice to them, and they're taking advantage of me. Why is that? Well, non-believers are going to act like non-believers. Don't be surprised when that happens. When sinners act like sinners, they're just acting like who they are. Now, the problem comes when sometimes people who claim to be Christians act like non-believers. But don't be surprised when non-believers act like non-believers. A second lesson is that our faith must impact every part of our lives. If our Christian faith is truly biblical Christian faith, It will impact every part of our lives, our business life, our family life, our recreational life. It will impact every part of our life. 
I remember several years ago, people would talk about you need to integrate Christianity into your life. No, that's not correct. Christianity is not something to be integrated into your life. Christianity is your life. Everything else needs to be integrated into that. Every part of our lives is to be impacted by our Christian faith. Because our Christian faith, if it's truly Christian faith, is not like a coat that you can take on or put off depending on the spiritual temperature around you. If you're truly a biblical Christian, you will live like a biblical Christian on Sunday morning and on Friday night. And when you're with your church friends and when you're around people that nobody knows you. Your Christian faith must impact every part of your life. We learn that from Daniel. And third, an overarching lesson from this is to obey God regardless. And we talked two, three weeks ago now about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and their great statement to the king, we know you have a furnace. We know you can put us in the furnace. We're not going to bow down to your statue. Our God is able to deliver us. But even when he doesn't, if he doesn't, we're still not going to bow. And sometimes, as we mentioned, God doesn't shut the lion's mouths. Remember Hebrews 11, we studied last week. And others who were commended for their faith, but did not see the rescue that others did. The overarching lesson of Daniel and Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego and through the pages of Scripture is to obey God regardless. Sometimes it turns out the way you hope, sometimes it doesn't, but that should not impact our obedience to God. Now we went over the chronology of this a couple of weeks ago and again last week. If Daniel was a teenager when he was taken captive, and we know when Nebuchadnezzar started to rule in the Babylonian Empire, we know when Darius the Mede took over the Babylonian Empire that we read about in the last part of Daniel chapter 5, we know about how long those periods of time were. So if Daniel was a teenager when the book started, and I mentioned to you last week, he's at the very, very youngest in his upper 70s. He may well have been into his 80s when he faced the lion's den. And he wasn't a little boy. Uh, he wasn't a teenager. He was an old man by the time he got to the lion's den. The point of that is this. He lived maybe 65 years or more in a land that was not his home, surrounded by people who did not believe in his God, surrounded by philosophies and religions that were opposed to his faith. <laughs> Anybody relate to that? It's kind of the world we're living in at this point, isn't it? The pressure is on in our world, especially if you're trying to live for God. And we can take heart from the story of Daniel because he lived his entire adult life in a heathen country, surrounded by people that did not share his faith or his morals or his standards. I mentioned a phrase to you last week, practicing a long obedience in the same direction. That's a key to understanding Daniel's life, and that's a key to developing our faith, is a long obedience, 
in the same direction. That is to say, every day, every decision, every step of the way, I'm going to be obedient to God. Not hit and miss, not every other day. I'm going to do my obedience to God long-term every day. So what are the character qualities of Daniel that we can learn from and apply to our lives to give us the faith that we need for the lion's den and for daily living? The first thing, we need to develop excellence in every aspect of our lives. Again, this is a review. Go back over Daniel 6 and read the story of Daniel in the lion's den. But in Daniel chapter 6, verse 3, it says, Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. Exhibit excellence in every aspect of your life. That, that phrase, his exceptional qualities, the King James translates it, he had an excellent spirit. We're going to come back to that in a minute. The point is that everything that Daniel did, he did well. As I mentioned to you last week, you had Nebuchadnezzar, who was the king when Daniel was taken captive. He had a couple of sons who ruled insignificantly. In fact, they're not even mentioned in the book of Daniel. And then Belshazzar came to the throne, and then Darius the Mede, and then Cyrus the Persian. And Daniel impacted all four of those major world leaders. And he was promoted by them all because he demonstrated excellence in every area of his life. We don't read about him moping and complaining. We don't see him cutting corners. You know, sometimes... If we're not careful, we think, well, the people I work for aren't Christian, so I don't need to give them my best. You know, those people are hostile to the faith, so why am I, you know, working so hard for them? No, it's I'm a believer in God, and he says whatever I do, do it to the glory of God, so I'm going to give my best and do my best in every aspect of my life. One of the, the men that impacted both Donna and me in our college years was the president of our college. His name was Steve Heron. And he would pound into us because it was a school that emphasized holiness and living a holy life. And he would pound into us that holy shoddy is still shoddy. In other words, it doesn't matter how good of a Christian you are and how holy you are, if your work's shoddy, it's still shoddy work. And God deserves our best. Work, the scripture says, as though you were working for God. God looks for people who do their best whatever they do. The scripture says whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. God is looking for people who do their best. It's interesting that when you study the scriptures, just a casual reading of the scriptures, you'll find that God typically calls people when they are at the midst of, of hard work. Moses was shepherding sheep for his father-in-law when he encountered the burning bush. David was shepherding his father's sheep when he took lunch to his brothers at the army and discovered Goliath. 
when Elisha was called by Elijah to follow him, he was out in the field plowing. Peter and James and John, when Jesus called them to follow him, had been fishing all night long and were now mending their nets. You know, God calls people typically who are already busy doing their best, and he calls them to make an impact in our world. Now, I mentioned to you again that the King James in verse 3 talks about Daniel's excellent spirit. And that caught my attention. Because I think there's something there that we need to, to understand and try to emulate. And I tried to do a word study on it. And basically, I found out that the words that are used means he had an excellent spirit. You know, I couldn't find any deep you know, meanings in that. But, but it started me thinking. There have been some people through the years that I have met in whatever um, arena of life, at work or wherever. And when I leave those people, I think, Man, they've got such a good spirit. You have people like that? They're kind, they're pleasant, they're, they're just open. They're, their spirit draws you to them. I mean, there are other people that you don't want to be around for 15 seconds because their spirit is so negative and critical. Without them saying a word, it just, you know, they walk in the room and the atmosphere changes for the poorer. But Daniel had an excellent spirit. Daniel was one of those guys that when you left him, you said, man, there's something about him. And, and I pray that our lives are like that. Because we know that for a believer, it's actually God's spirit flowing through us that reflects his glory and ministers to others. Let's develop excellence in every aspect of our lives Let's work on our spirit and make sure that our spirit is an excellent spirit. And we're going to talk in a few minutes how to develop that kind of a spirit. The second character quality of Daniel that we need to build into our lives if we're going to develop faith for the lion's den is integrity. And we must insist on integrity at all times. You remember what happened in verse 4. These people, the government leaders, find out that it's Darius's plan to elevate Daniel over the whole kingdom. And so they decide, verse 4, we're going to find grounds for charges against him and his conduct of government affairs. But they were unable to do so. They could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. Wow. And his enemy said, we're not going to find any basis for charges against him at all unless it has something to do with his faith. That's a pretty good statement. Would that it be said about us that when you look for that person, you're going to find a person of integrity in everything they do. Surely they thought Daniel is now in his upper 70s into his 80s. Surely, in the 50, 60-some years so far that he spent in this kingdom, surely there's been some scuttlebutt. Surely there's some gossip about him. Surely there's some rumor. 
Surely we can find some accounting errors or something. Surely we can find something against him. They could find nothing. And Darius, when he is confronted with Daniel and the effect of the decree that Darius made that you have to pray to me and nobody else for 30 days, Darius twice says to Daniel, the God whom you serve continually. What a testimony for a heathen king to say to Daniel, I know that you serve your God continually. There's a little chorus that maybe you grew up in church singing, every day with Jesus is sweeter than the day before. Um, some people live every other day with Jesus. You know, It's like they're hit and miss, they're hot and cold. Now, Daniel was consistent. He was consistently, continually a person of integrity. A lot of times you hear people say, well, when you're under pressure, that will develop your integrity. Oh, no, no, no. Pressure reveals your integrity. Pressure doesn't make you who you are. Pressure reveals who you are. It was an, a, a fascinating event the other day. I was squeezing lemons and out came tomato juice. Just an incredible thing. No, that's, no, <laughs> right? No. When you squeeze lemons, you get what's in the lemon. And, and when you get squeezed, what comes out is what's inside. And we need to work on continually being a person of integrity so that when the pressure's on and when the squeeze is on, what comes out of us is God. What comes out of us is love. What comes out of us is peace. What comes out of us is joy. In the midst of that, Daniel was a person of integrity all the time. And when the pressure was on, he stayed consistent. We need to be people of integrity because people are watching. Are you aware of that? That people are watching you? If you call yourself a believer, people are watching you. Maybe you remember before you became a believer and you knew some people who call themselves Christians and you watched them and maybe... You had the same experience I had watching some people. If that's Christianity, I don't want any part of it. I remember, I thank the Lord, truly. I was thinking about this last night. I thank the Lord that I cannot remember for sure which church and which person this story is about. But I had just moved into a new community to pastor a new church. I'd been there just a few weeks, and I was, you know, meeting people throughout the community. And I met this one gentleman, and he said, oh, you're preaching at such and such a church? I said, yes, sir. He said, is so-and-so still a member there? Yes, sir. Well, I just want you to know that as long as that man is in your church, I will never come to your church. He is the crookedest businessman in town. And I thought, you know, it might have been nice to know that before I moved, you know, that that's the reputation that one of the main people in the congregation have in the community. People are watching, and we need to be consistent because people are watching, and you may not be aware of it, but they're watching you to see how you handle 
the stress of life, to see how you handle the temptations and challenges of life. We don't have to be perfect, but God does expect us to be obedient. And integrity is important, secondly, because we serve a righteous God. God always does what's right, and he expects his people to do what's right. And if we're going to reflect the nature of our God, we need to be people of integrity. The third element that allowed Daniel to face the lion's den is that he devoted himself to spiritual disciplines. You remember the decree came down, you can't pray to anybody but to Darius the king. And in verse 10 of Daniel 6, when Daniel learns that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the wind is open toward Jerusalem. Remember the, the scripture says, when your people are taken captive, Lord, may you hear their prayers as they pray toward Jerusalem. Three times a day he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. He had devoted himself to spiritual disciplines. When I'm talking about spiritual disciplines, I'm talking about activities that align our heart with God's heart. I'm talking about activities that keep us connected to God. A lot of times we don't like the, the concept of discipline when it comes to the Christian faith. But the Christian faith is built through the disciplines of the spiritual life. You, you build your faith through the discipline of Bible reading and Bible study and meditation and prayer and fellowship with other Christians and serving others and sometimes solitude with God. You, you can find all kinds of different lists if you search spiritual disciplines. The point is, they are those activities that draw us closer to God. They help us keep our hearts aligned with Him. It is from our practice of spiritual disciplines that we can develop an excellent spirit, that we can be a person of integrity. Those things don't happen in a vacuum. I heard about a conference that was held somewhere in California, and I can't remember where it was, but it was known for an incredibly large and beautiful rose garden. And one of the days of the conference that was being held, they had given them an extended lunch break. And one of the people decided they would go to this rose garden and just walk through it and, and look at it. When they reconvened after lunch, the speaker got up and said, who's been to the rose garden? Because the aroma of those roses had attached themselves to that person. When you spend time in prayer, when you spend time reading the Word, when you spend time in church, when you spend time in fellowship with other Christians, the aroma of Christ clings to you. And you are able to have an excellent spirit. You are able to continuously be a person of integrity. It flows from those disciplines of our lives that keep us connected to God. For some, it's study and reading. For others, it's worship. For others, it's a stroll through nature. Through others, it's serving. But all of them are important. All of them need to be a part of our lives. 
But the key is find how you best connect to God and develop those spiritual disciplines. As I was thinking about this, I, it seemed like I vaguely remembered, you know, I grew up up north, and I, I vaguely remembered that there were times when Dad would put a blanket over the car battery and then close the hood overnight. Uh, I wonder if that's a thing, if that's really true. So I did some research, and there are certain types of batteries that when it gets a certain degree, those things almost freeze. They're not going to start your car, and if you push them enough, they'll explode. And so what they suggest you do, especially if you don't have a garage, and it's going to be one of those bitterly cold nights, is run your car a little bit till the battery kind of warms up, then shut it off, Put a blanket or a covering of some kind over your car battery and then close the hood. The idea is it will keep it a little bit warmer and it will make it easier to start your car the next morning. Thank God we don't have to worry about that too often in Augusta, right? But spiritual disciplines are like putting a blanket over your car battery. Spiritual disciplines are what keeps our spirits warm. They're what keep us connected to God. They're what allow God's Spirit to flow through us. I would imagine some of us have been in some times where our spiritual batteries got frozen, and when the pressure came on, we exploded. And we need to learn, keep your spiritual battery warm. And when you look at this prayer of his, you notice his position. It says he knelt. That's a position of humility of recognizing his need of God. And, and when we pray, it is because of our humility that we recognize our need of God. I heard somebody who's not real kind, but pretty honest, say, every day you pray, or every day you don't pray, you're telling God, I don't need you. Because prayer is an exercise in humility. Lord, I need you in my life today. The practice of his prayer just as he had done before. He was consistent in the practice of his prayer. Steve Brown, in his book, Approaching God, says this, Before you begin the hard work of prayer, you must make a commitment to prayer no matter what, so that it becomes an essential part of your life. Prayer, if one is going to be successful at it, must constitute a major commitment. And then he had his place facing Jerusalem. We talked about that. And his posture or his attitude was one of gratitude. It says he gave thanks to his God. I said to you last week, we pray to get out of the lion's den. Daniel prayed to get into the lion's den. This decree comes down and, and we don't read that he's saying, Oh God, what am I going to do? The lions are hungry and I'm an old man. No, he gave thanks to God. In the midst of the test of his faith, he's giving thanks to God. You read through this and it, it, you know, it says that it was his God. Aren't you glad God's a personal God? In verses 20 and 21, Darius says of, of Daniel's God, he is the living God and he's able to deliver his people. In verse 26, Darius says, this God endures forever. There are many things for which to thank God. Philippians 4, 6 
says, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer, that's a general word, and petition, that's a specific word, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Prayer, that's the general word for any kind of prayer. Petition is the specific word about the specific things for which we're praying. As we present our requests to God, do it with thanksgiving. 1 Thessalonians 5, be joyful always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. This is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And Daniel challenges us that when he's facing the lion's den, he prays with thanksgiving, with gratitude. But there's one more thing. We talked about his excellence, his integrity, his commitment to spiritual disciplines. But overarching the whole book of Daniel is God's track record. If you're going to develop faith that will hold you steady in the lion's dens of life, you, you need frequently to turn to your track record of God's relationship with you. Daniel has his entire life to look back over the faithfulness of God. When he's taken captive and God shows him favor with the superintendent of the school so that he allows them to not eat meat contrary to their faith. Daniel was not in the same location as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego when that happened, but I'm sure he heard about it. I'm sure everybody in the kingdom heard about the fiery furnace and God's deliverance. And now he's facing the lion's den. God has a track record with you, doesn't he? There have been times in your life when you thought, I can't take another step. There have been times in your life when things were so dark, you wondered if you'd ever see light again. And here we are. <laughs> We've made it. And God has brought us this far, and he's not going to forsake us now. And it's good when the pressure's on to take a track record tour, to just, in your mind, if you're not able to do it geographically, in your mind, say, this is, I remember this event, and I remember when I lived here and this happened, and we didn't know if we were going to make it, and God was there. I remember when we had this sickness and we didn't know if we'd survive and God was there. I remember when we're digging into the seat cushions of the living room set to try to get enough change together to buy gasoline. You ever have to do that? God was there. And, and just so important for us to remember God's track record, that this is where God did. You, you study uh, the prayers of the Bible and so often, Lord, you are the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. Now, that just wasn't a formula, like in Jesus' name, amen. You know, no, they were the God, you're the God of Abraham. You keep your promise. You're the God of Isaac. You, you give us second chances. You're the God of Jacob. You're always there and you're faithful. And every time they prayed, you are the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, they're going through God's track record with them as a nation. And, and it, it's helpful sometimes in your praying to spend some time up front thanking God 
for the things that he's done for you in the past. It will strengthen your faith for what you're asking for him in the present and for the future. God's the faithful God. And he has a track record with you. And when the pressure's on, you need to make sure that you take one of those track record tours and just say, Lord, thank you for this time and this time and this time and the answers to prayer that you've given me. Daniel was no flash in the pan. He was not an overnight sensation. He practiced for over 60 years a long obedience in the same direction. Each step took him closer to the Father. Each step took him closer to God. And I pray that in our lives, we will develop these same four characteristics, that we will do our best to be a person of excellence in everything we do, that our spirit will be an excellent spirit, that we will be a person of integrity regardless of how it turns out, that we will develop and be consistent in those spiritual disciplines that draw us closer to God and that we'll remember his track record. If we will do these things, we will be developing the faith that will keep us steady in the lion's dens of life. Father, thank you that you promised to never leave us or forsake us. Thank you that whether we are like Daniel and come out of the lion's den without a scratch, or whether we end up like some of those people in Hebrews 11 that were the others who didn't get the answer they hoped for, yet your evaluation of them was the world was not worthy of them, and you commended them for their faith. So, Lord, may we keep our faith in you, period. May our trust be in you regardless of what happens to us. Because what happens to us doesn't affect you. You are God. You are great. You are good. You are faithful. You have a plan. And as we stay surrendered to you, we know that you are working in all things for the good of those who love you. Father, may we be people of excellence. May our spirits draw people to you. May our lives be lived in such a way so that those who are watching us, when they get in the quiet times of their life, would say, you know, if I ever decide to become a Christian, I want to be one like that. May we live that kind of life as the beauty of Jesus is seen in us. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you May he make his face to shine on you and give you his peace now and evermore. Amen. God bless you. Thanks for being here today. Thanks for tuning in. You're dismissed.